Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Welcome in to another Red Out Podcast. My name is Devin, and uh, I've been kind of screwing that up here lately. I've been messing with my audio effects, and it's screwed up my intro. But anyway... Uh, welcome into another Red Out podcast. We are talking this week about uh, some depressing stuff, kind of like Jared alluded to last week. But we're going to be upbeat about it. Western's going to the NIT. Uh, and uh, as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the episode. And rate us on all the major platforms. We appreciate your support. Welcome in, Jared. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. So as I just was telling our listeners, you alluded to the depression that we could possibly be talking about, and we're here. Yeah, I don't know why I expected anything different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of how the way Western goes. Yeah, at least the past few seasons. Yes. Um, So winners and losers. I guess one of my first winner or losers is actually kind uh, kind of an obscure note. Out of the, I think they said they had 60 referees in the Conference USA tournament. One of them tested positive for COVID thus far that I heard on the news yesterday. So the funny thing with it is, is the way the NCAA is doing the tournament this year, once you're checked into the hotel, you cannot leave the hotel for anything except for, I guess, practice for the teams and when there is an event. From what I was, from what I heard, so the uh, one of the refs, their rooms of uh, uh, six refs, I think it was, their rooms were not ready. They went out to eat with this individual, which they got the okay to do because he was another ref, and they went out to eat while they were waiting for their rooms to be done. And when they came back, they were like, "Oh, uh, Bill, don't know, Bill here uh, tested positive, so all y'all got to go home." And I'm like, oh my gosh, how would you like to be those other guys who's who did not test positive, but yeah, <laughs> that kind of got looped in with the rest of them? Um, so, uh, sorry guys, but you're going to be our losers as far as I'm concerned this week. Um, Jared, do you have anything? Uh, I mean, other than the obvious, I mean, a, a loser, I would say, is the Dolphins because Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to the Redskins, which will probably be like his 30th out of the 32 NFL teams that he'll be playing for in yeah. his career. But, I mean, he did so great. I think he was a really good mentor to Tua. But they got rid of Fitzpatrick and they brought in Jacoby Brissett. And I think that the Dolphins are going to be sticking with Tua, which I really hope they do. I think that's a good decision moving forward. Once maybe we get an actual running back, maybe a wide receiver or two, and just kind of have a solid offensive line for him, I think he'll be really good in his sophomore year. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the uh, quote-unquote Sean Beam of the NFL. Now, let me let me clarify. Like he doesn't really stick with a team, and the reason I call him the Sean Bean is because like, like in Sean Bean films, he's always like dying in the movie. He's always he's sometimes he's the mentor, you know. <laughs> so like he's kind of like mentored to uh, and he's like, "You got it from here, guy," and he just walks off into the sunset, you know, and he goes and plays for. God knows who, but um, it's not simply walk into the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, But um, okay. So another thing, since you're talking NFL contracts, did you hear the saints uh, kind of crazy contract they did with their quarterback? Well, was it with uh, Jameis or was it with the other dude from BYU? I think it was the other dude. Is his name Hill? yeah, uh, Taysom Hill. Okay, Hill. yes. Yeah. So he got – okay, so obviously um, – so obviously um, crazy thing is is – Drew Brees is retiring. Drew Brees is retiring. He's going to be an analyst from what I've heard. Hmm. Um, and then uh, – so another thing is, is with this Hill guy's contract – 
He's getting 140 million. I don't know over how many years. I think it's like four years or something. Um, let me try and Google this real quick. Uh, but he's supposed to get like 140 million, but none, but like only like seven or eight of it's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So they, so basically, the Saints could just cut the contract at any point, mm. and they could be like, "Nah, we can void it." So the reason, from what I've heard, the reason they did this was so they could free up seven million dollars in their contract in their cap salary, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, he was under a, a one year for sixteen point three mil with 16 mil guaranteed and 8 mil sign and bonus. Uh he's he's gets Okay, so he's got 12 million guaranteed. Okay, that's not as bad. Uh yeah, well, yeah, of course I'd take I'd take a mil any day of the week. You pay me a million dollars a year. <laughs> I can uh, Okay, so every year from 22 to 25 the contract is voidable. So basically, he's got another. He's got a twelve million dollar, which he's taking a four million dollar cut in pay for this year, and he's got a an extra signing bonus of nine point six. So he gets a little bit extra now, but it's like really. So Mr. Hilltopper has sent us the pictures uh, in Texas. I hope these are appropriate, Mr. Hilltopper. Don't want any dirty pictures on here, buddy. Uh, just cursed images from the title game, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we should. I think we should burn the pictures of the court. Oh, just burn all of it. <laughs> and the scoreboard like, pictures too, like all the scoreboards. Like we always, like on our DVR, we always record the ball games whenever Western plays on TV, just in case we ever want to rewatch it. And after the game, my mom was going through stuff, and she's like, "Do you want me to keep this game?" And I was like, "Destroy all of the evidence that you can find of this game ever occurring, please." <laughs> I agree. Um, so I do have a question for Mr. Hilltopper. Why is there a picture of a random ready sports drink? Like, is this for an ad? <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty random and it's funny. Um, but Hey, I love the pictures. It looks great, buddy. Uh, everything looks great except for the way the tournament turned out for us, but that you can't help that. Yeah. He did get to photobomb MTSU too. So, I mean, he did have that as well. Hey, that's pretty sweet. You can't beat that. Photobombing and empty at the mutts. Yeah. And just start screaming out, back fat, back fat. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, oh, okay. The the ready was a promo free drink. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I digress, as I always yes. say. Um, so uh, obviously, we'll talk about the tournament here in a minute. Um, have you heard anything as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned? Anybody getting knocked out yet or anything? No. Every team that has been able to qualify for the NCAA tournament is good to play. And nice. Tuesday was the deadline for that. So if somebody drops from now until championship, that's it. I mean, the, whoever they would be playing would advance just automatically. So we'll see. So here's my question um, as far as the NIT – Let's say I'm assuming North Texas got in. Let's say North Texas gets a COVID case and Western's already got the NIT bid. Can Western drop the NIT and go to the big dance? Or is are we basically well, locked in now? Well, we're we're already locked in now. I mean it's past kind of the time. Yeah. Like Tuesday was the deadline. Like on Monday, if that would have happened, that would have been really interesting. But the thing was is that it wasn't up to the conference, it was up to the certain teams that the selection committee had. So, like, okay. the first four teams out of the NCAA tournament is, like, Louisville, St. Louis, and a couple other teams. Like, they were the first ones to be call-ups if someone were to drop. So, say um, Houston has to drop out to give their game in the tournament, then Louisville would replace them. And then if someone else had to drop, then whoever was second on the bubble would replace them and so on. So, the only way we would have gotten in the tournament is, like, if six teams – or seven teams would have dropped out of the NCAA tournament before Tuesday. And, of course, that's just kind of unrealistic to happen. Yeah, I mean, actually, now after you said that, there are no, as far as I, as far as I know, there are no big Kentucky teams in the tournament this year. Just Moorhead State. They're the only one. 
Yeah, Morehead State made it. Western's out. Louisville's out. See, Kentucky's out. It's like good. And when was the last time that's ever happened? That's got to be a first. That I couldn't Moorhead tell you. State Morehead State is the only representative of the state of Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. I would see, be that's willing. How you, that's how you know this entire season is just crazy. Well, see, here we go. So, if we could, we need to get some fans who are maybe not Murray State fans or Morehead State fans. Oh, it's Morehead, you said, right? Yeah. Ah, dang it. I was thinking Murray for some reason, and I was like, please, can we get that horse back? That awful Amazon horse. Oh, yeah. Work it up and down. <laughs> um, but yeah, Moorhead, yeah, that's that's definitely I, I would say I would be willing to bet that was a first. It's gotta be a first that Moorhead is the only team to make it in the tournament. Out of Kentucky, yeah, that's wild. Um so anyway, baseball wise, we're gonna get Ross on here in a few minutes. He's trying to get his kids to bed, which God help you, buddy. My daughter <laughs> did not is still not converted over to uh, springing forward time. So like, she's not going to bed till like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And it's taking everything I have to just go, <sighs> go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's yeah. For those of you who are parents, obviously a parent did not invent daylight savings time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, probably. Uh, uh, so anyway, Western's uh, Western's baseball team swept Bowling Green. Uh, the Falcons, right? Aren't they Falcons? Yeah. Brown Eagles, purple, uh, purple, uh, peanut butter Eagles, whatever they are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they beat, they swept them this weekend. Uh, beat them Friday, four to three, four to one on Saturday, and seventeen to sixteen. What happened there? I don't know. Dang, I dude! I thought that was a misprint. That's seventeen sixteen. Um. That's usually not a baseball score. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's see here. Uh, so, uh, soccer played Florida Atlantic, and they tied one-to-one. That's eh, soccer. I've never – that's one thing that always kills me in, like, soccer and stuff is the tie. Like, yeah. I feel like we should break the tie. We should go into a shootout or a sudden death or something or – no sport should ever end in a tie, period. And that's why I, I never like the tie. And that's why I like college football better than the NFL, just for that reason that they can actually Amen. go into a tie. Just let them settle it. Even if they have to, I think college rules for overtime is exactly how you should settle it. I don't know why the NFL still allows ties. Any, any pro team that wins the toss to go into overtime and, de- and defers is an idiot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way NFL kickers are, you cannot defer. You've got to take it if you can get it. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I 100% agree. I understand why the NFL does that because they're ran by networks, basically. And yeah. they've got to have enough time to get the next game going, and they can't have a six-hour 24 overtimes, you know, you know, for Jacksonville versus – Whoever, you know, I mean, there's some place people would love to see that, but for the most part, you know, I'm not going to want to watch 27 overtimes, but um, I would. <laughs> I, mean, I, was the one that, I, I can't, re- I can't remember if I watched this live or not, or when it happened, just the, I think it was UConn and Syracuse that went into like six overtimes in basketball. Like that was beautiful. Like I wish that happened more in sports just because, I mean, it's just so crazy. As somebody who's played through overtimes, you're just exhausted and like, you know, you want to win and you really want to be like, dude, aren't you tired? You know, tell, talking to the other team, going, dude, just, just take it, take it, slack off on this play. It's not a big deal. Just, just let us yeah. win. Let on, us my, go on my NBA 2K, uh, <laughs> on my career mode, I had like this big center, this like Sabonis, and he, I had just a fun game where he was the only person that could score. But it was tied. Like, I already had, like, 100 points by the end of regulation. But the thing was is that it went into, like, four overtimes. So there were some other people on the team I had to score, have score, or else I would have lost. But I ended up winning in four overtimes. I think the final was, like, 150 to 147. And my guy had 127 points in that game. So I'll always remember that. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is my little brother and I – uh, when he was younger, we played um, NCAA college football, whatever. 
and, or maybe it was no, it was Madden NFL. And uh, what we did was we were trying to see if you could score 200 points in a football game in a oh, regulation yeah. game. Well, if you do 15 minutes, then yeah, it's easy. But if you do like the five minutes that they have standard set up, it's not too bad. Um, yeah. So, yes, we ended, I think I ended up getting like 120 points. But the way we had to do it was every time like I kicked off to him, he would punt it back to me <laughs> on the first down. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, so apparently Mr. Hilltopper is informing me that Oklahoma sent a kid home today who tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's not the whole team, though. Yeah, I kind of – but, well, is uh, I kind of agree with him. Like, how did nobody else get exposed? Yeah, right. that's true. Um, I mean, that, we're a year into this pandemic. I don't think anybody really cares about the rules anymore just because the vaccine is out and it's starting to get better. But hopefully by May, then, and at least by the next season in football and basketball both, all of the players and coaching staff should be vaccinated, which will be fantastic. So we won't have to worry about this nonsense again. But it's still a weird time right now. Now, see, my wife and I had this conversation the other day as far as not vaccination or anything, but let's just hypothetically say, I don't know who number one team in the nation is right now, but... Gonzaga. Okay, if I'm Gonzaga, do you not, like, lock your players in rooms and just, like, push the food through the little slot in the door, like in those jail movies? And then, like, they get vaccinated and they don't see anybody. And if they go out, they have to be in a bubble. You know, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I would be taking so many precautions with those guys. There is no way in God's green earth that I would let them get COVID. They'd probably still get COVID. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that they all have to take that sacrifice as a team and understand that, like, we're the number one team. We want to win a national championship. And the only way we're going to do that is if we just take care of ourselves and just isolate ourselves right now. Because, I mean, you can't take any chances. Heck, when I had COVID, I still don't know where I got it from. I mean, it's hard. Even when you do take all the precautions, I mean, stuff like that happens. So, I mean, it's so hard. You probably got it from someone who held their phone up to the speaker. Probably. It was the person person on the other line. I got it from them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But, like... At least nowadays, like they're saying that the players can't even leave their rooms. Like at least nowadays that like with the way the internet is and everything like that, like these guys can play, you know, Call of Duty or whatever they're going to play and, you know, actually have some interaction instead of just being completely confined. And, you know, it's not like the old days where you talked on the phone to talk to somebody. Now you can text and FaceTime and, you know, do all that stuff to, communicate with people so even if they are locked up they're not you know locked up they actually have some kind of freedom to do stuff i guess is what and I'm honestly to like if i was a player on gonzaga i mean if you asked me to sacrifice socializing with anybody that i knew for a month if the outcome was winning the national championship i would definitely do the national championship because that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity you'll get to see your friends and family after the tournament's over just bite the bullet and isolate yourself so you can get that ring oh yeah i mean i yeah i mean f- there was a stat i heard the day and I, it was it was pretty wild out of the like past 30 years i think they said 20 in 24 of those years a number one team has won uh the national title mm-hmm. and there was uh, there was so many different little stats and i was just like what really um, I'll try and look that up. Here's, but it a, was... here's an interesting one for you, though. Is Go. that this year's tournament, this is the first time since 1967, not 67, 76, that Duke and Kentucky both missed NCAA tournament. And another thing that was important with that year is that was also the last time that a team went undefeated. That was when Indiana won the national championship with 40-0 and and didn't lose a single game. So... I don't know. I mean, maybe Gonzaga has a chance of doing that this year. So I don't know. If there was, if there's a number one team I could cheer for, it would probably be Gonzaga. I could, I could cheer for yeah. them. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of an underdog, uh, literally, because aren't they the Bulldogs? Yeah. Story. <laughs> I could cheer for Gonzaga to win that. Um, but talking sports, uh, as far as Western's concerned, 
Uh, baseball's done pretty good. I think they played. They lost to Bellerman yesterday, uh, seven to three. So, and I think they've got a series against Valparaiso on Facebook. So, if you want to watch a baseball game on Facebook, go for it. Uh, HSSN on Facebook. Uh, they'll have the series basically all weekend, except for Sunday's game. Random. Mm-hmm. Uh, Five o'clock Central. On Friday, one o'clock central on Saturday, and then one o'clock central on Sunday. And it looks like vo- uh, volleyball's got m- the mutts. They got on Sunday. They've got middle, and they've got middle on Saturday as well. So go support volleyball. And softball's got UAB, so I'm hoping they'll do well. And of course, Western's in the NIT, and we play St. Mary's in like two hours from now. Less than yeah. that, about an hour and a half now, as the podcast records. Um, so it's maybe, basically a toss-up right now, too, is what ESPN is predicting. I mean, it's like 50-50 oh, almost. Great. <laughs> and also, I don't, like, can, this can be sort of be a transition. Is One thing to talk about is that Carson Williams will not be playing anymore the rest of the season. He's actually going to be trying out for a pro day. So that's going to be interesting, like NFL pro day. And NFL? Honestly, yeah, he's going to be trying to do what George Fant did, play basketball four years and then try to throw your hat into the ring for some football. But I think that's really smart for him because being a 6'5 forward or center in the NBA is – I mean, there, no no one's going to take someone that small in the modern no. NBA era. So, I mean, either his only hope is being like a small forward or maybe playing overseas, somewhere like that. But – he has the perfect build for someone that could be like a tight end, in my opinion. So I feel like that he could do that. But another question I have, too, if he's doing this, technically he could come back next year for basketball. But does that mean that he could come back and want to try to do football next year as well? Yeah, I see, don't I don't think so. I wouldn't think so. I don't know. I mean – well, I mean, it's sort of like honestly, what Justin Johnson tried doing. Like, do you remember when Justin Johnson tried it too? Like, that seems to be the thing that happens with your star player that we have now at Western is that they're like an undersized forward and they play really solid and then they try to be a football player at the end of their career. Because, I mean, Fant did it and he's making $13 million playing for the Jets. Uh, Justin Johnson tried it, but he never actually took the field with the team. And uh, now Carson Williams, he's going to be trying it. But I don't know if he's going to play for us or just try to go straight to NFL and see if he can learn everything that quick. I don't know what his move is going to be, but I think it's really interesting. My thing is, though, like if Carson does that, like I don't know if he can learn the playbook as quickly as like like the guy that's already playing there. So like I don't know if he would even start next year is my thing. Yeah, he would have the size at Western, I'm saying, at Western. He would have the size. I just don't know if he would be a contender to start. Now, if yeah, he comes he back, and tries to be, to... he would have to be like on the kickoffs, like what Fant did, because Fant never really played that much, and he was a tight end too, technically. Yeah, and uh, he only did mostly special team stuff. But just the fact that he was playing football and he was getting those reps, that was enough for him to go from being an undrafted free agent to starting tackle for the. Jets. So, I mean, you never know. I mean, as long as you put in that extra work, I mean, you can accomplish anything. Now, could Mr. Hilltopper and I both want to know, can he come back and play football next year, though? Like, yeah, that's does what he I'm have asking. It? Yeah, like, I don't what know. What if either. he wants to come back? I mean, could he just transfer sports? Like, are you allowed to just say, I don't want to play basketball anymore. I want to go play football and not have a loss of a year or anything or I don't know. I mean, my, this is such a rare <laughs> instance. To my to my knowledge, I don't know with the dual sport, but to my knowledge, like you have four years of, of varsity letter. So like with a red shirt year, mm-hmm. which I I don't know. That does I don't know. It just that's the thing that gets me is it's like if he's been if he's played four years with basketball and been on the team, and he may have not played the entire time. Let me see if I can find him. Let's see if I can find well, him. Well, he was in Northern Kentucky and played two seasons, came here, sat out a year, and then he's played the past two seasons. So he would be a sixth-year guy if he were to come back to campus for anything next year. Yeah. Um, well, he's a 6'5", 240-pound forward from Owenton, Kentucky, and honestly, if he went to the NFL, I would rather him play like – 
you know, like you said, maybe tight end or outside linebacker. You know, he might could he might be pretty good at there. I don't know. Um, He's got the as size. far as his eligibility. I have no idea. That would be a great question. Yeah, ask your cousin Todd that. I will. Well, I'll text him after a while and see what he says. <laughs> um, so, uh, Lady Tops are at home. Let's talk about North Texas. As much as I hate to talk about this. So, we... Looks like North Texas kind of came out strong. Uh, basically dominated the first half. Finishing out the first half about, you know, what, 34-23. And then Western basically battled back. And right towards the end, Western took the lead, and they had a complete opportunity there to finish the game. And I mean, they were leading 48-43 with 2.28 to go in that regulation, and they basically let North Texas come back. And it's just... Honestly, like, did you actually watch the game? No, I was at work. So I missed it. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, let me tell you right now, I've seen some ugly basketball games in my life. Like, I even remember when we played Mississippi Valley State in the first round of the tournament, like eight, nine years ago, whatever year that was, when we had a losing record and we were in the NCAA tournament. I think both teams had over 20 turnovers, low scoring game. We came back from down 18 with less than two minutes to go, I think, and we still somehow ended up winning that game in front of Obama and the British Prime Minister, which that's still probably the wildest game I've ever seen. But the North Texas game is by far one of the dumbest games I've ever seen in my entire life. Because first of all, they come out and go on a 17 to nothing run to start the game. I honestly feel like if we just showed up like and had enough poise in the beginning of that game just to maybe try to run some type of half-court offense... We would have won this game, no problem. It never would have even gone into overtime. But that's the thing is, like, how do you go into a championship game and start off 17 to nothing? Like, we, they absolutely just got smacked in the mouth on North Texas because they were shooting above their head. And then Western, they were either completely shook by what was happening or they were so emotionally involved into it, they forgot the mental aspect of the game and just weren't able to do anything that – I mean, there's so many things that are frustrating. Like, and the thing is, is that we came back, Devin. We were down 17 to nothing, went on this run, and then North Texas was over, like, they only had 14 points in the entire second half. That's how many points they scored in just the second half. And yet they still won this game. Like, that is completely inexcusable to me. Like, how do you let that happen to where you get a six-point lead, let a team score 14 points and a half, and yet you can't even get the job done? Like, I mean, there's a lot of blame going around. People are blaming Stansberry. People are blaming some of the seniors. I mean, I think it's all of them combined. And just a lot of bad luck. I mean, this team is just completely snake bit when it gets to the conference title game. But Every year. (laughs) Yeah, and well, and this is something I want to get your honest answer on because – I mean, I tweeted this out, and it got a lot of attention, and a lot of people agreed with it, is that if an all-star center, three former Mr. Kentucky basketballs, four seniors, a star freshman, and a four-star sophomore guard that are phenomenal, you have a three-point shooter that broke one of Steph Curry's records that's on the team as well. Like, if you have all of those things, like, what else is Rick Stansberry going to need to get a conference title win, honestly? Answer that question, Devin. What do you think? Honestly, I don't know what you, you know, as far as that goes, because, like, you would think that would be enough. Yeah, that should be enough. If you visit any other mid-major team in the entire country, I feel like this wouldn't be an issue. But, yeah, I don't know if we're just cursed or what it is, but you get some of the most phenomenal players and athletic players we've ever had, but, yet when you need them to win, when it matters the most, they just can't get it done. And I don't know if that's a mindset issue or what it is, but it's just so frustrating that this is what we've had to live with the past four seasons. Yeah, I mean, well, do you think the point guard could have been an issue? Well, I mean, I think that Rawls should have been playing over McKnight 100%. And he, if it wasn't for Rawls' threes that he had in the first half of that game, I think it, we would have been done at halftime because that was the only spark that the team really had until right at the end of the first half was his three-point shooting. 
And McKnight, he's a freshman, obviously, and he's going to make mistakes, but he's had some really good moments. But that's the thing with freshmen. They're not going to be very consistent. I feel like next yeah. season he's going to step up a lot and be one of the main core guys that we lean on. But at the same time, I mean, I still think that you should have let the experience play. Either play Kenny Cooper a little bit and see if he could do anything. And because he's having that senior and veteran guy with just being able to hold on to the ball more. And, of course, like just turnovers in general. I mean, we still had a ton in that game, which doesn't help us at all. I mean, there's so many things that you could point out at this game that should have never happened, and yet it did. I don't know if it's just horrible, horrible luck. I don't know if Mitchell Robinson broke a mirror when he was on campus and his seven years of bad luck for the program or what it was, but that's what it feels like sometimes. So we've got like the goat curse is what I'm hearing. It's something. <laughs> the it's curse of the be man. some type of curse. It's something. The Mitt Rob curse, that's what it is. Um yeah, I, you know, on paper, it, I mean, it is a close game. And like you said, like I didn't even – it sounds bad, but I didn't even put two and two together that they had 34 points at the end of the first, and at the end of regulation they had 48, which is like, they only really? Had 14 you points. scored 14 points in the second half? Like, that's great on Western's part, but at the same point, at the same – yeah, literal point, I guess we need to we should have had a lot more going into the first. Because like you were saying, I didn't realize that there for almost what three or four minutes, basically Western never scored a point. That was the 15 15 and 0 run you're talking about. And then at the 920 mark, all the way through to about 537 or so, Western did not score another point again. We got up to 14. And let North Texas go all the way to 29. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, they had too many runs there. And, you know, Western has to capitalize on that. And I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very disappointing thing to constantly be invited to the, uh, not the intentional big tournament. Trying to think of another acronym for and you know it. What, and you know what's <laughs> even more depressing? If we wouldn't have lost to Old Dominion or Charlotte or maybe both of those games, we probably would have gotten an NCAA tournament this year. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I think that was going to happen. And that's the bad thing is we're Conference USA regular season champs and we're going to the NIT. And, yeah, and I mean – I'm still glad yeah. that these seniors and the team in general get another shot of playing. And having that postseason playing time is important, especially for Rawls and McKnight and all of these younger guys. But at the same time, I would be lying if I said that I was excited for tonight's game. I mean, it's just not the same. So, um, if they lose tonight, are you, would, you be the, would you feel the same way or no? I mean, I'm completely apathetic at this point because the more I care about the program, the more they let me down. <laughs> so you're so you've got melancholy, is what I'm hearing. See, I, I got that full season March depression right now. It, it's full force <laughs> right now, Devin. See, like I'm at the point that like if something were to happen to me and I die, I would want the tops to lower me into my grave so they let me down one last time. That's how I'm, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Oh my gosh, dude! Oh my god. Uh, but, so, uh, do you have your torch and pitchfork out for Stansberry? Well, I mean, his seat should be a little warm, but I don't envision him going anywhere, not in the slightest. But, I mean, oh. the thing is, this is my thing, is that he is the best recruiter our program has ever had, and there's no denying that. But he's assembled all of this great talent, but there's just the way that this talent has played together just has not been very well. I mean, if you look at this team, there's four seniors on this team, and yet we were averaging, like, 14 turnovers a game. Like, that can't be completely their fault. Like, it's, that something's got to give, that these are senior guys, and yet they look like a bunch of freshmen standing out on the perimeter just passing the ball for 30 seconds trying to isolate somebody instead of actually having rotations and set up some type of game plan and offense. So, I mean, I feel like once – Rick Stansberry ever figures out how to make one of his teams get past a two, three zone defense will be really good. But the thing is, is that he's been here five years and that's all another team has to do to beat us. It's just forces to shoot threes and keep whoever our star center is on the inside is outside of the paint. That's how you beat us. And that's exactly what North Texas did. 
So here is my question. And, and I saw this the other day. I think we were on our group chat. Um, sorry, I've just gotten some alert from Mr. Hilltopper here. But anyway, um, just got a, some things the other day. Now, does this change your opinion that McDonald and Harper, what was it? They each had two or one, respectively. Like one and a half. Yeah, basically, yeah. they've each had one and a half tournament appearances, etc. And Stans has none. It still doesn't and change your mind. Ever part... thought, who would have ever thought that at this point, five years later after he was hired, that we still wouldn't have an NCAA tournament appearance? I mean, it's just been the worst luck. I mean, just Marshall first, then Old Dominion, then not having anything last season, and then, of course, Hollingsworth missing those free throws against North Texas, and then this year probably playing one of the worst games I've ever seen at this level. I mean, it's just – when is it going to give is my thing. It's like, I mean, Rick Stansberry, what if he just keeps getting these talented guys and they just completely underperform? I mean – I'm would you rather you. have – here's my question. Would you rather have a bunch of two- and three-star guys that play as a team and are bought into each other or a bunch of four- and five-star guys that basically underachieve like what we've had the past few seasons? Because, I mean, that's literally the difference between these teams with Ray Harper and Rick Stansberry is that Harper didn't have the most talented guys. And, I mean, he still had Justin Johnson, which was the biggest recruit that he ever landed. But, I mean, if you look at TJ Price and George Fant and all of them – incredible guys and i don't know how to there's nothing you can really put your pin on and say that if you change this one thing that it would change things and make it better i mean it's just hard to point out at this point so ross are you ready to do ross is on. change our hey guys long time no no talk to yeah it's okay. good to, good to hear from you buddy um so are you ready to change our minds uh jared's been Basically. So let's let's summarize where we're at, and then. Uh... Oh, so anyway, we'll recap here. Uh, basically, we were talking about North Texas and the disappointing uh, disaster that game was, and uh, kind of what to expect. We're fixing to start talking about the NIT. Um, as far as the NIT tournament's concerned, and we talked a little bit about uh, Western, uh, or not Western, but the big uh, big dance and some of the news that's come out of it. Um, so changed my mind as far as putting away my torch and pitchfork with Rick Stansberry. Okay. So, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, like probably in my 20 plus years as a Western fan with the last 15, probably being a pretty hardcore Western fan. And that was probably the hardest loss we've ever had. I mean, I can't. Yeah. There's a couple that are close, but even when you compare like the Marshall or the ODU loss a couple years ago, like I feel like given the stakes with the um, with the now eight year tournament drought and the fact that we were up by seven, and you know that was by far the hardest loss. Uh, you know, as a fan, you know we've had others or missed opportunities or like you know like Gonzaga losing on a buzzer beater in the tournament, but like I feel like. Basically, if one thing changes in that game, you know, all this frustration and stuff that's bubbled to the top that had been around it gets instantly erased. So, you know, I'll, I'll preface it with that. You know, basically, we're in this situation because we have a good program with high expectations and we haven't been able to get over the hump for various reasons. Um, you know, just quick thoughts on the game. It's just, just kind of heartbreaking because, you know, you know, Unfortunately, some players just didn't perform when we needed them to. I think, you know, digging yourselves a 17 nothing hole and then, you know, a player like Tavion Hollingsworth, who's going to finish in the top five all-time school history, finishing with six points. I mean, you tell me that he scores six points and we should still win the game, you know, that's that's kind of an indictment on, on some of that. And, you know, like it or not, this group and Rick Stansberry has gotten us to a point where we're we're right on the precipice and the cusp. And while we might not think he can ever get over it, the fact that we're, you know, consistently finishing first or second in the conference, which, you know, Conference USA, you know, 
if you believe it or not, is way tougher than the Sun Belt ever was when we were, you know, making the tournament every few or you know every few years. I mean, it's mm-hmm. top to bottom. There's there's senior laden teams. There's teams. I, I did the math the other day where Conference USA, like the top team, is consistently higher by I think ten or fifteen spots. It's like usually in the low seventies in the Ken Palm. Sun Belt was the eighties. And then, like the average of the top four teams is usual was like fifty points higher. So, like, you know, you could screw around in the Sun Belt and sneak into the tournament like Ray Harper did a couple times. It's a lot harder to do that whether you run when you run into some of these senior laden teams. And that's no excuse because we had a senior laden team. But you know, the reason you know, I think we we've gotten accustomed and used to making the NCAA tournament is because when you were in the OVC and the Sun Belt was a lot easier and. The problem is we've got the same expectations, one bid league against harder competition. So I'm of the belief, okay, you know, you look at all these teams that have won, like ODU had their chance at the top. Marshall had their stay at the top. Uh, um, North Texas just had their stay at the top. You know, all those other programs have kind of succeed, has kind of seceded and come back. We've stayed consistently at the top. Stansbury is like accumulating talent. He's got us right on the door. I'm a firm believer that you put yourself in position to do it, you know, once you're fine, you're going to break through eventually, whether it was, you know, Gonzaga finally making the final four, Virginia finally making the final four, Kermit Davis in the Sun Belt, whatever. He was a middling coach for a while, not anywhere near a thing is. And then when he finally broke the door down, he made, you know, three out of the last four NCAA tournaments. Uh, Darren Horn at Western, you know, he struggled to finally get over the hump. And when he did, you know, we, we went on a six sweet 16 run. I think, you know, my thing with, with Stansberry and starting over, I think it's, he's just a, he's a little bit of a victim of his own success and his style and personality doesn't really lend itself. It, it, it lends itself to the detractors that, you know, I think, you know, with him, you've got to kind of appreciate that he's got a system. It's, we're going to have, you know, we're gonna win the turn. You know, we're gonna win the uh, the rebound battle. We're gonna defend the twos. You know, if you're gonna beat Western, you got to get them to force turnovers, make us shoot, and make sure we don't get to the free throw line. And you know, most of the time that that pans out. But in, when it doesn't work, we have games like this. And you know, on Saturday, the the worst part was like literally five or six things. If one of those things switches, we win that game. You know, McKnight hit that free throw. You know, uh, Carson Williams make a, making one of two layups. I mean, there was just so many freaky things where I, I'm just not ready to, you know, throw out, you know, a coach that's basically made Western a top, a consistent top two team in the conference just because he can't get over the hump in really difficult circumstances. I think this year, you know, we finally, yeah, we had the Charlotte loss, but there was really no inexcusable losses behind, besides that. I mean, ODU and Louisiana Tech weren't, you know, perfect loss, you know, aren't, aren't games you should lose, but they're excusable. Those are top 150 teams, top 100 teams where, you know, if you even compare like in power conferences, like every once in a while, a, you know, an Alabama will lose to a, you know, it's uh, will lose to a Vanderbilt or a South Carolina or whatever, because, you know, it's hard to just go through the whole thing perfect. So, you know, my whole thing is Stanberry puts us in the best position to win long term. And, you know, recruiting, you know, it's, it hasn't fallen off at all. I mean, we've got the number one Juco center. we got a top 50 guard. My hope is that you stay the course. You, you know, I, I, in two years if we're in this situation, I might be where Jared is or whoever who wants to dump him. <laughs> but you stay the course and say, okay, well, it's going to – the law of averages is going to work out because we're, you know, we're in a stacked town and maybe, maybe the – Maybe Zion Harmon or Jamie on Sharp, whoever has the consistency that we lacked at some some of these guys. And that that's, you know, that's the only critique I have. Like somebody like Collinsworth, as great as he was, he didn't have that consistency from a game in game out like a JV on Hamlet had or like a Elmore or a Stith or whoever. And you know, I hope we can develop that player uh, you know, moving forward. So you are happy with the five-star guys who are not p- performing to their peak performance is basically 
I'm not happy with it, but I know that whoever we brought in to replace him, it would be a three-star guy that doesn't give us the chance to just, you know, to win at a high level like that. You know, like it or not, like I also also did the numbers, like Stansberry's wins, you know, over time, like the regular season matters. It's not always, you know, basically if we don't choke that game against Old Dominion and you know, we get to play those North Texas games like they were originally scheduled. We were real. We were in the at-large conversation until the end of the season. That never happened under Harper, and barely happened under Horn. So, I mean, I just don't think you should throw out the baby with the bathwater, no matter how frustrating it gets. Well, can I ask you this so. question? Like, what do you? What else do you think Rick Stansberry needs to succeed at Western? Because if you look at his roster, I mean, I feel like he has the high-level players that he needs. He has the four seniors he needs. Like, what? What do you think it'll take for us to finally get over the hump? I mean, I think it's just going to take um, a little bit of luck. I think it's going to take uh, probably a little bit of change in personnel. I mean, you trade a Hollingsworth, who was a three-star, for a Zion Harmon, who's a four-star. Maybe that extra little talent will bring that much more consistency there. Um, you know, I think finding a point guard that can, God, learn, learn how to not turn the damn ball over. I think valuing the ball. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, there's definitely tons of stuff to criticize. But, like, I'm not under the, the impression that, God, that, you know, I, I'm just more in the careful what you wish for camp where if you think that, Oh, just we're gonna who we're gonna get? We'd get some some assistant or an Archie Miller type or somebody like this that <laughs> that would you know you can't really guarantee that they would be better, and you're really risking like you're basically on the cusp every year, all four years in a row. You know he never got the tournament chance last year. You know he was a Hollingsworth free throw away. He was a Davion McKnight free throw away. It's like. I just can't completely blame him, even though there's there's tons of little micromanaged things that that you can you can nitpick and criticize, and it's it's warranted. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with that. Um, there are, I think there are critiques and there are uh, arguments that could be made as far as, I mean, not separation or you know, firing stands or you know whatever, but. I think I do agree that the competition is a lot more t- is fiercer in the in Conference USA than maybe what Western's used to. Um, you know, with like you said, the OVC or the Sun Belt. Um, you know, and we're having we're getting higher caliber guys. We're doing a lot better as far as recruiting. I do agree with that. I mean, and he has he has a lot. I mean, think of all the wins we have and. You know, it's, I know it, it doesn't matter. I know the, the Jake Keiths of the world or the Matt McKay's, like, it, those men doesn't matter at all because we didn't make the tournament. But you could also have a coach that doesn't have those wins and also doesn't make the tournament. I mean, we're right there every year where we can – if we get in the big dance, we can make noise. This year we would have made – any year we would have made noise. We would have been that 12 or 13 seed that John Rothstein says that nobody wants to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. My thing is, uh, you, uh, so I think he is really good at the recruiting, but I do not think, and from what I've heard, I've heard conflicting reports. That I don't think he's a very good X's and O's guy. Well, no, I don't. And I from what I've heard from some people, that. though, is is that well, and from what I've heard from some people is is that he does draw up plays. And throws them out, throws the guys out there to do it, and they just disregard or do whatever. And it's like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like there should be something done about that. You know, I mean, I, I mean, they're not children by any means, and I mean, I'm sure there's situations where things have to change. But well, at the can same I give point, you an analogy? can I give you an analogy real quick, Devin? Like, sure. This is something I thought about, and this past Sunday at church reminded me of this. And it was the youth Sunday, like all of the youth were leading worship. <laughs> and at least six or seven of the kids on stage playing are people that I've taught before, that I either taught them drums or bass or guitar or something like that. And I've worked with them. And let me tell you, you can teach a kid how to do something. You can tell them to go practice. You can do everything that you can. But sometimes they, when they get on that stage and they start playing – 
it just goes the complete opposite direction that you may have completely <laughs> ever tried to teach them. And that was a good reminder for me right after that loss is like, I mean, and this is something that we've heard from within the, the team as well, is that there's sometimes instances where Stansberry would draw up something for, like on offense and tell his players to go execute it. And just it looks completely horrible. And it's not even close to what he tried to draw up. I mean, that's not his fault. I mean, no. sometimes uh, that's basketball IQ and just being comfortable enough to trust your teammates and just try to draw out what's been put before you. But, I mean, that reminded me this Sunday is that you can try to, even though you spend all this time working with someone and teaching them everything and then just trying to give them that extra encouragement and just try to get them going on the right path, it'll just completely go to left field in any given second. That That's really hilarious to me. I'm sorry that that – Jared well, is getting yeah. clarifications in church about his thoughts on Rick Stansbury. I mean, it's uh, perspective. Yeah. It is just a game. I mean, that's – and you yeah. are dealing with young people. But, like, that's what I think. Like, okay, we turn – we've we kind of, you know, mixing and matching. We've – some of these guys we've ridden with for a while. And for some whatever, whatever reason, we couldn't get over the top. You know, let's hope, you know, somebody like Rawls, who's really come on strong, if we can keep him in the fold, like, that kid – you know, he's got where, what Hollinsworth lacked, shooting, you know. And, and you know, I think there, there's pieces there. We've got the talent. You know, he's going to find, like, there was that guy I sent you guys the thing on the Discord today. Like, he's recruiting a 6'7 guard that scored 21 and 10. If we get that kind of guy, like, I, I just think, like, we are we're sacrificing upside if we decide to go a different direction when – we're still achieving at a really, really, really high level for, for what we are. And let's let's not forget that Western's budget, Stansberry makes six hundred and fifty thousand plus a cut of attendance. Like we're not paying him a million and a half dollars for him to come in second place. We are still trying to get it done on a budget. So he gets a cut of attendance too. Yeah, like That's wild. Well, well I, I think it was a lot it, of money this year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was say, he doesn't get much this year, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but I mean, why? Why were fan, why was attendance at all time high under him? Because they were achieving at big levels, having big wins, stuff like that. Well, I mean, and that—that's another thing too. That's a very good incentive for coaches. I mean, I didn't realize that until you just said that. But and, and I don't want to be this person, but let's look at our neighbors. That thing you sent earlier about Cincinnati—is that not wild or what? That Cincinnati has four scholarship players, and then basically everybody else is in the transfer portal. And then oh, yeah, that guy's. I think, yeah, that guy's know. on his second year of the thing. So of his, you know, he just finished his second season. Yeah, but still, man, that's that's wild. You've got you basically ran everybody else. You ran everybody off. You didn't want, and then. I mean, I know that's part of it, but still, it's like wow. I don't think he probably ran them off. I think they probably said, "Screw this, I'm out." <laughs> yeah. you're probably right I mean Cincinnati um, wasn't horrible but they did underperform a lot to what their standard is in the American so well that's and that's my whole point it's like you got to be careful what you wish for I, I totally agree if we're having this conversation in two years and we still can't get over the hump and we start and we slip to third or fourth place in the league then yes you know all means but I don't think coming off our best season under him, or arguably, it's, you know, it's basically splitting hairs between this and 2018. You can really say, gosh, we've got to get rid of him. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, so you're so you're satisfied with the NIT this year, though? I'm not satisfied, no. But I also – you can have it two ways. You can be mad and, and all that, but also think that the program's in its best shape that it's been in really since – I would say probably since McDonald took over for Horn. Yeah, I just I don't know. That's it, the it, thing too, Devin. Even though I'm not as exactly, I wouldn't say that I'm thrilled about us playing in the NIT. I mean, I do look on the bright side that this is going to be great for like McKnight and Rawls and a lot of these younger players to be able to get this playing time in the postseason. I think that's going to be great for their development to hopefully make them even better for next season. And I agree. I agree to go to the NIT is going to help these young guys. But at the same point, like we won the regular season conference title, you think that we could have at least fill, finished out 
and been going to the big dance. That's that's just a frustrating thing for me. That's, that's oh, our curse. Yeah, we we're. Cursed. I mean, like I said, like literally one one little thing. Like we could count five or six things in that last five minutes of the game. If that changes, we're talking about we're previewing our first round match against Tennessee or something. Yep. Yep. I, yeah. Completely agree. Now the game is about to start here in about five minutes or so. Uh, it starts an hour from now. Yeah, hour and five. Gosh, all right. I hate. I hate time change. Sorry, um, but it anyway. hasn't changed his clocks yet. Yes, I have changed my <laughs> clocks, but I don't do Eastern and Central. Like it always screws me up. So, like I'll be in like short short aside here. Uh, when I was getting married, Jake was uh, in my wedding party, so he had to drive from Bowling Green at the time to um, around E-Town, which is about an hour drive. He's like, what time are you all going to start? And I was like, well, 6 o'clock our time, so that would be like 7 o'clock your time, which is actually, no, I told him 5 o'clock. And I threw him off completely, and I, we screwed up the time and everything, so he ends up going like 90 miles an hour to try and get there for the uh, rehearsal dinner and all that, or for the rehearsal, Yeah. So short, long story short, I don't do time change and I don't do Central Eastern time very well at all. It's um, kind of hard considering where you live. <laughs> I know, right? You know, you think I would be great at it, but I'm not at all. Being Eastern time, like even when I tell people Central time stuff, I'm like, okay, we're going to be doing it at this time. And I'm like, no, that would be like Nova Scotia time. Okay, let me back up. No, we got to do it. But anyway, uh, with speaking of horrible time, uh, Ross, has your kids gotten used to daylight savings? Uh, I just put them to bed. Not yet. Good job. <laughs> if Not they're yet. asleep, good job is all I got to say. <laughs> well, look, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is school day, so they're a little bit more worn out. Tuesday, Thursdays are a little bit rougher. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I know listeners probably really don't care at this point. But anyway, um, my daughter is having the worst time with sleeping at this point. Like it's like ten, eleven o'clock, trying to get her to sleep, and it's like, oh my gosh! Last night I was just done. It was like ten, ten thirty, and I'm like, I'm done, sweetheart. You can try and put her to sleep. I'm done. How old is she now? Uh, she's a year. Dang, that's rough. Usually, yeah, it, our uh, I think. Let's see. I've got a about a couple of months shy of a two year old, and this yeah when you just getting them on that normal sleep schedule once you get over that hump it makes life way easier bro we were we were golden until uh daylight savings time and that's just completely thrown us off again and it's just like it's like i don't care just let's get you to sleep and then we'll just deal with it then um but Anyway, um, so I mean, we are in the NIT, so that's that's a positive. We can take po- some positivity from that. Here, here's oh. a quick, quick two cents on NIT. Okay, it go. sucks. It's like kissing your sister. I think when, well, we a couple, when we went a couple years ago, it was a lot bigger deal than it is now because we hadn't even been in any postseason. But you know, the the one thing I would frame when you're in a one big league, you know, making the NIT is still an accomplishment. It means you're like right on that cusp of you were for at large consideration. So it means that you had a good season. They, you know, Belmont didn't get in. Like, um, you know, Marshall, Louisiana Tech, other teams in our league didn't get in, and it's because they didn't have as good a seasons as us. So for perspective wise, you still you still got to think. Okay, it's not where we want to be, but it, it could be a lot worse. Like Harper never. Harper never had a regular season that would have qualified for the NIT. McDonald, besides making the NCAA tournament that one year, never never qualified for the NIT. Horn did a couple times, but it means that you've had a, a, a good, not great season, and uh, that's it's it's not great when you're games for the NCAA tournament. But it doesn't mean that you know it's a dumpster fire where where um, you know like it is like at, at UK or somewhere else. So. So if we swept Charlotte and let's say ODU, do you think we're in the dance? Sure. Did we yes. make the big dance if we won those two games? Yes, because if you look at Drake, if you look at Drake, um, you know their wins don't stack up. They just didn't have nearly as many bad losses. I think the other problem with with stands, it's we've got to find a way to to work the stupid computer numbers. I think that really hindered us too, where like 
you've mm-hmm. got to get that net and the Ken Palm into the 50s at least if you want to have a shot. Where and I guess getting rid of some of those losses, but you know you got to. We did a better job towards the end of the season blowing out inferior teams, but you can't afford to only beat Gardner Webb by two. You can't. You know you've got to. You've got to just. Game the system, sportsmanship be damned, and realize okay, our margin for error just we sportsmanship just takes a backseat. We've got to win by a lot. Yeah, and that's that my thing too. That's really frustrating. I mean, we never could blow anybody out except for FIU for the most part, and that second game was still closer than it probably should have been. Yeah. But I mean, that's the whole thing that next year too is that at least we won't be playing the same team back to back anymore. Oh, I hated those. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That was another thing, too, that really was not in our favor at all. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. So we're playing St. Mary's. Uh, what do you, uh, Jared, I'll go to you first. What do you think of uh, St. Mary's? They're 14 and 9, 4 and 6 conference play. Um, yeah, sorry. they're definitely not as strong as they have been historically. Like when we played them in Diddle Arena a few years ago, that was definitely a lot stronger of a team than what we're playing tonight. So, I mean, honestly, I feel like we shouldn't have too many issues with them. But, I mean, the thing with those St. Mary's teams is that they're really good at three-point shooting, and our three-point defense is still horrible. So, I mean, that's something that they'll have to look out for. I mean, we are more familiar with Frisco and that whole layout. So, I mean, if we do it's have not in the same more... arena. Ooh, really? I mean, yeah. that's interesting. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I still think we should beat them regardless, just for the fact that it's not as strong as the St. Mary's team as we've traditionally seen. I mean, you kind of use Gonzaga as the <laughs> judgment stick for them to see where they measure up at, and they didn't really do much of anything. So I, I don't think we should so, have any issues with them. I'm not cutting you off, but uh, Mr. Hilltopper is reporting that someone is in a boot and might not play tonight. Why did you just say who it is? Because no, you know. <laughs> yeah, come I mean, on, Mr. Hilltopper. Be, we need names. Yeah, it'll be out. We don't, you don't have to tell who your source is. Well. He's probably yeah, there. No one. Yeah, he's <laughs> probably there. That's the thing. He's probably sitting there next to him. Um, so anyway, so uh, Ross, what do you think our chances are tonight? I mean, I, you know, we're a two-point dog. I think it's computer numbers mainly. Um, looking at St. Mary's schedule, they don't really have any wins or anything that really just jumps out and presses you. I think they, you know, it just it depends on which Western team comes out tonight. You know. Not having Carson Williams, you know, could be a blessing in disguise or could be a curse. You know, he always played with his heart and soul, even if he wasn't really athletic enough. So he could be missing him. Who knows if Charles is, if they're going to be cautious with him because obviously his pro career is coming up and it's the NIT. But um, it just depends really which team comes out to play. If, if Western's kind of sulking and you can tell they're disappointed by not in the big dance, then I, we could easily lose. If not, then uh, I think, you know, if we're ready to play, I think we win. So so I do not believe Mr. Hilltopper is there. I might be wrong. Uh, he's just report. He's just telling us that, unfortunately, he landed Sunday night as they announced that it, uh, it from Frisco. So I'm guessing that he didn't see the, uh, the NIT part. So he's in Louisville, yeah. And apparently the person in the boot is not a starter. So he must have, like, tripped over his tray at the hotel or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, you. so you're, they're calling it a two-point. Yeah, two-point. But Western's got the 54, 54% uh, ch- matchup predictor there. And I agree with what you're saying as far as, you know, their schedule. I think they've played some tough teams. They played Gonzaga. And BYU, and, yeah. They played Gonzaga and lost by 23 points. Um, they beat LMU. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you can look that up on uh, ESPN. Um, but check that game out. Obviously, you probably will if you're listening to this and you're not listening live. Uh, if you'd like to listen live, you can go to Podbean and listen to our shows on Wednesday night. Uh, that is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. I'm pretty good at there that time. There you go. Good job. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's like you've been game. doing this for a couple years now. Yeah, I know, right? It would be – it's almost like I do it in my sleep sometimes. Uh, but, um, yeah, the game's going to be at 9 o'clock tonight. We'll be talking about the game next week, and hopefully we'll be talking about a few more games that Western's going to be playing. 
when does the next round of games play, just in case? So if they oh, if they yeah. win, it will be next Thursday, so a week from tomorrow. Okay. And so next play Thursday. either Kermit Davis or they'll play Louisiana Tech again. So they got La Tech. Oh my gosh. Or or uh, or Ole Miss, which is I would love to have that matchup. That would bring some buzz. That would be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun. That would be definitely awesome. Um but check that out. Um and let's see, Western's uh as far as uh everything's concerned, follow us on the towel rack. I got articles and everything out every week. And uh, next week we'll be talking basketball. We'll be talking about the St. Mary's game. And we'll be talking about the upcoming game or we'll be talking about the offseason. Spring practice. That's right. Uh, So, as always, guys, (laughs) go Tops. Go Tops. Go Tops. (laughs) I was honestly waiting for Ross's reaction to my new button. I like it. All right. If you didn't use it every week, maybe I'd like it.